Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Now listen, we are diving into a brand new teaching series today that we are calling Mind Monsters. Mind Monsters. Before we dive in, it's important for me to clarify a few things. Well, first off, why are we talking about this? Well, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And in the month of May, you're going to hear a lot of people, um, perhaps even where you work, your, your kids are probably going to hear about it as well, where people are talking about just, you know, being mindful of our mental health. How are we doing? How are we feeling? What are our thoughts? How are we processing? And we think that all of those things are great and all of those things are necessary and needed. But in addition to that, we want to hear what the Word of God has to say. Amen? Amen. Now, you know, the Bible talks to this as well. Yeah. So it's important that we also hear what God is saying about this. But beyond that, we just feel like it's a conversation that the church needs to have. The church needs to have a conversation about mental health. You see, I, I come up from the old school church. How many old school church people we got in the tent this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you're still here. Thank God, you're still here. You didn't leave. You look functional. That's good. Um, you're like, that's how I look, Pastor. I'm missing a few screws. No kidding. But... Um, but, you know, back in the old school church, thank you, Pastor Phil. Back in the old school church, I mean, we didn't talk about mental health. It's like if you were struggling up here, it's like, well, go pray. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm still struggling. Well, then you pray, you need to pray some more. And if you were still struggling, you're not doing it right. You know, so it's like it was always just prayer. And I'm not minimizing prayer. Prayer is 100% necessary and needed. But we believe that God has given incredible gifts to the church by way of counselors, by way of therapists by way of psychologists and uh, we have several people in this church that are in that arena and we believe that those things are incredible and necessary everybody say necessary, necessary. you know you know if, if, if you're sick you nobody shames you for going to a doctor because you're sick right you're sick i mean you're like missing an organ you know what i mean it's like you you go to a doctor you know what i'm saying like you got to go and take care of it but for some reason there's been this stigma around mental health where it's like people don't want to talk about it and people don't want to have a conversation about it. So I just want to lead with that, that this church believes in, in psychologists, this church believes in counselors, this church believes in therapists, and we prefer you go to the kingdom-minded ones, preferably, but we believe that if you're sick, you got to get right, okay? So, so I'm a pastor. I'm going to talk to you like a pastor. I do not have formal training, but I study and I read a whole bunch, and so I think you're going to get something today. So let's dive in. You guys ready for this? Yeah. All right, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to read a few verses there. I'm going to dive into everything that God has for us today. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 11. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up on the screen. It says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So the Lord replied, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Let's jump to 13. When Elijah heard this, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I've called Mind Matters. Mind Matters. If I, if I had to give it a subtopic, I would just add one word and say, your mind matters. Your mind matters. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for what you're getting ready to do. We believe, God, that as I speak to this audience, you're going to speak to the individual. I believe that there are people here that desperately need to hear what you are going to say. So we open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody. And you may be seated. Hey, let me know what I'm working with here. If you grew up in the church, do me a favor, raise your hands. Real quick, real quick. If you grew up in the church, all right, you can put it hands down. You guys are my church kids. Come on, we'll give it up to the church kids right now. See, the household that I grew up in, church was not an option. You either went to church or you didn't live. It was like, like that simple. There was no third option. It was like, you want to keep living? Then you're going to go to church with us today. And I grew up in the type of church where we had long church. Come on. Y'all had long church growing up? We had a long church. Sundays were an all-day affair. The first thing we'd do is we'd get up and go to something called Sunday school. They don't have Sunday school no more. But back in the day, in my day, we had Sunday school. And that's where you would go to church from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., okay? That's not church, okay? That's school, all right? That's just Sunday school. You went for two hours, and you enjoyed Sunday school. When Sunday school was over, you'd go into the fellowship hall where all the church mothers cooked you up an incredible meal. I'm talking about some good home cooking. Y'all remember that home cooking? They don't make it like that no more. We'd love to, we, thought, we, we thought about bringing it back. So once, the, once we're done with renovations, ladies, get ready. No, I'm kidding. We're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. But, um, you know, we'd have lunch there at the church. And then it was like, all right, now go home and get dressed because the, the main event don't start till 5 p.m. We had 5 o'clock church. And so we went home to go change because we need to put on even nicer clothes for the 5 p.m. And church went for three hours minimum. Everybody say minimum. <laughs> you guys are like, what? Three hours? Three hours. I mean, we would worship for an hour solid, all right? One hour worship. We do three songs. Some of you guys are like, my feet hurt. Like, you would not be able to stand the type of church that I grew up in. We worship for one hour straight. And then, you know, they let the guest songs come. Y'all remember guest songs? It's like the guests would come up and start singing. Pastor wouldn't preach until two hours into the service. Then he preached, okay? And he went for at least an hour. So three hours was like regular church. If it got good, we'd go for five hours. I don't know how we did it. We'd get home at 10 and still be expected to get up and perform well at school the next morning. And so that's the type of church that I grew up in. And where are you going with all that, Pastor Josh? Well, church has changed a whole lot. Church has changed a whole lot. And as you know, we program our services anywhere from 65 minutes to 75 minutes. And there's a lot of things that we've changed over the years. Now, um, a lot of that is for the good. Do I miss some of the stuff? Sure, I miss the kitchen. But that's about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but but I, I would say where the church has grown is we have grown in this area of mental health. Because I said a minute ago, if, if, if something was going on up here or something was going on up here, we, we would say, well, just go pray about it. That's it. Just go pray about it. And I can typically tell when I'm talking to someone who came from that culture because I'll say, you really should go see a counselor. I'm going to see a counselor, Pastor Josh. I want to go see a therapist, Pastor Josh. I don't want people to know my business. If I go talk to a therapist, therapist's going to tell people. I mean, not, you know, not, not, not to even consider that the fact that they can't legally talk to anyone. But it's like we don't want to talk to nobody about our problems. And I, and I think we as a church has moved in the right direction where more and more people are, are having that conversation. And the reason that's so necessary, and, and this isn't true of every church, but this is true of some churches, we were far more concerned about what you look like on the outside than how you were on the inside. 
You see, religion taught us that it didn't matter if we were broken here or broken here. If we were put together out here, you were doing okay. And so we put so much emphasis on this, and we didn't think about this. We put so much emphasis on what we look like that we didn't put any emphasis on how we felt. And so what religion did, and the reason I asked about the church kids is it created some trauma in people because they, they had real issues. And, and instead of being told how to handle their issues, they were just told, well, put this on. Yeah. Take that off. Don't go here. Don't go do that. And, and there, were, there were so many people carrying real issues, but we were trying to solve those real internal issues through religion. And how many know religion never saved anybody? It's nothing but a relationship with God that can save you. So I'm so glad that we as a church have now moved in this direction. And I, I think that as a church, um, we're going to lean into it, especially over these next few weeks. And, and I'm just telling you, don't, don't miss. And if you do have to miss, and catch up on the pod, catch up on YouTube, because I'm, I'm, I'm very much a pastoral preacher, meaning I build every single week. And so today, I'm just getting started today. But, but next week, we're going to build, and we're going to build on that again. And then we got guests coming. It's going to be phenomenal. But I really want to help you today, and I really want to help you over the, course, over the course of this series. So the first thing that I want you to know is that if you're dealing with mental health, that doesn't make you a weird person. It just makes you human. If you've got some mental health issues going on, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you've deal, dealt with depression, that don't make, there's nothing wrong with you. It just makes you a person. And, 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 and not only does it just make you a person, but we find people in the Bible that have also gone through stuff like this. I mean, we, and that's what I want to do is show you through the word of God how there were men, powerful men that dealt with anxiety, that dealt with depression, that dealt with suicidal ideation and wanting to end their own lives. And I'm starting off with Elijah because Elijah was a man of God. Everybody say Elijah. Elijah. So who is Elijah? Well, Elijah, first and foremost, he's a prophet. And back in those days, whenever the prophet came into town, it's because they heard from God. And they had so much fear and reverence for the prophets in biblical days because the prophet would come and they would speak what God was saying and the kings would listen. Come on, they, they would speak and it would spiritually transform and it would spiritually renew entire communities. It, when the prophet would come, sometimes entire nations would, would repent because a prophet came and told him, you're doing this and this is wrong. You're doing this and it needs a change. You're doing this and God's not happy with it. That's what the prophets did. It looks nothing like the prophets today in the church. Too many people in the church say that call themselves a prophet. They all they want to talk about is money, cars, houses. And listen, <laughs> that, that's nothing like what we see in the Bible, okay? In the Bible, when the prophet came, people weren't like, give me a word. They were like running and hiding because like, oh, shoot, God's going to talk. And now I'm in trouble. And so Elijah was a prophet. And, and so that's the mantle. That was his assignment. And um, in this particular story in chapter 19, you need to understand what happened in 18. Everybody say 18. Because we've got to get context. And so the context is, in chapter 18, Elijah, he had enough of all of the idolatry that was happening in Israel. You see, Israel was God's chosen people, and they were supposed to worship God. They were supposed to worship Yahweh. But the king of Israel, he married a queen. He, he, he married a, a, a lady named Jezebel. He made Jezebel her queen. And she was an idolater. Not only was she an idolater, she was just crazy, okay? That's a whole other sermon series about don't marry crazy people, okay? Like, write that down. Don't marry a crazy person. No, I'm kidding. But, but, but King Ahab married a crazy woman. And so what she did is she came in and she introduced idolatry to Israel and got them to start worshiping her God. Her God was Baal, which was a false god. And so Elijah's seen 
man, there's all this idolatry happening in Israel. So he says, here's what we're going to do. And this is how you knew prophets are crazy, all right? Elijah said, we're going to go to the top of the mountain, Mount Carmel, and we're going to set a, a sacrifice. And whosoever God responds by fire, that's the true God. And so whoever wins, this is, this is the craziness of Elijah, whoever wins lives. And if you lose, you die. I mean, he was playing for keeps, okay? That's how confident he was in his God. So they went to the top of the mountain. 450 prophets of Baal show up. Nothing happens. One prophet, one man of God, Elijah, shows up, prays, fire comes down, spiritually reforms all of Israel right there. Like, they're just like, oh, my God. Okay, no more idolatry. And, and, and so Elijah did that. That's chapter 18. It's a very high moment for him, right? But in chapter 19, here's what happens. The queen finds out, and the queen said this, Elijah, by this time tomorrow, you're dead. And that was enough for him to want to end his life. Everybody say one person. How many know it only takes one person to completely unhinge you? Yeah, I've been there before. I've been having a good day. It takes one person on the road, and I'm unhinged. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have to remind myself, you're a child of God. You are loved. <laughs> you know? Uh, patience is a virtue. I'm just kidding, but I'm not. Um, so, I mean, it only takes one person to completely unhinge you, and that's what happened to Elijah. Elijah had just come off of this, this high. Like, like he, he, God had just responded by fire. He just saw the miraculous. And after he sees the miraculous... His next step, when he hears about this, the, the queen now wants to kill him, the only thing he wants to do is kill himself. That, that's what he thought would be the best thing he should do. So in chapter 19, it says that Elijah went to the desert where he hoped to starve himself and die. And God was like, you're not going to die. So God supernaturally fed him. Again, this is Bible. It, it's biblical. And, and it's very weird sometimes. Right? It's going to be weird. Whenever I say biblical, just know I'm going to hit you with something weird, okay? It was biblical because God used animals to feed Elijah, okay? All right. Just, again, biblical. Kind of weird, but it's all true. So animals feed Elijah, and then God says, Elijah, get back home. Get, get, get out of here. But Elijah was saying, I want to die. Just kill me, God. I'm, I'm going to come out here and die. He was dealing with suicidal spirit. He was like, I just want to die. And so God says, go back home. And so instead of going back home, he goes into a cave. And this is where we pick up with our story, okay? Did I give you the context? Yeah. I feel like it's necessary. You need to see what's happening. So Elijah is in the cave, and this is when God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in this cave? Now, I want you to get this. Elijah was not just in a physical cave. He was in a spiritual cave. He was in an emotional cave, and he was in a mental cave. Come on, how many can relate to being in that kind of cave before? Like, you don't live in a cave. You live in a house, apartment, condo, whatever you live in. But, like, you feel like you are in a cave. Like, like the walls are coming down. You feel like your world is collapsing on you. So, so Elijah was both in a literal cave, but he was also in a type of cave emotionally. And this is what he says, okay? I want you to watch what he says. God says to him, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Think about that for a second. This is the first time God has talked to Elijah since the duel on the mountain, and the only thing he can tell God is complain. This is the first time he has a conversation with God after Mount Carmel, and the only thing he can focus on is the queen wants to kill me. Now, now okay. Let me give you some notes. Highs and lows are inevitable in life. 
but your focus is your choice. Highs and lows. He was just on the mountain, okay? God had just responded by fire. That was a high. And instead, he's focusing on, well, the queen wants to kill me. Instead of focusing his attention on the highs, he made a decision to focus on the lows. So our focus is our choice. You're going to repeat that with me. Everybody say, my focus. focus. It's my choice. choice. You guys getting that? Your focus is your choice. What you choose to focus on is your choice. You can wake up in the morning and you can choose to focus on the good or you can find everything wrong with what's about to happen in your day. It's your choice what you choose to focus on. Now, Elijah, what he should have done is do like what my kids do. He should have, when the Lord said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What Elijah should have done is, man, God, can I just tell you about what happened on the mountain of Carmel? I mean, I know that you were there. I mean, you sent the fire and everything. I mean, that was kind of all you. But but can I just tell you how it was like? And then he could have proceeded to go on very much like the way my kids talked to me. And then it was like, and then I was like, and they were like, and I was like, all these likes, right? And then like, 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 you parents know what I'm talking about, right? Like that, that's what Elijah should have said. That's what Elijah should have been. But instead, he focuses attention on the negative. I'm all alone. There's nobody else here but me. He was like Mr. Lonely. Y'all remember that song? Lonely. Uh, Mr. Lonely. That's Elijah. He's like, there's nobody here. I'm all by myself. Not focusing on the victory. Everybody say victory. He just had a huge victory. And all he's worried about is, I'm alone. You see, you choose what you focus on. Now, now that the challenge with that takes me to my next statement. Write this down. It's from Pastor Craig, Craig Rochelle. And he says this. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. But if your strongest thought is the negative thought, where do you think your life is moving? When all you think about is negativity, where do you think your life is moving? And you have an active role in your decisions. As a matter of fact, write that down. We need to move from passive thinking to active thinking. We need to move from passive thinking to active thinking. What I mean is you've got to take an inventory of the thoughts that are coming into your mind. You've got to take an inventory of the thoughts that you are thinking. And you've got to ask yourself, is this good for me? Or am I thinking things are going to take me down a bad road? Am I thinking about things that are going to lift me up? Or am I thinking about things that are going to send me into depression? So what happens is there's too many people that are on the sidelines of your thinking. You're just letting your mind do its thing. And you're not engaging with your thoughts. And we all do this, right? I mean, how many of you have ever had a spirited conversation with someone? In other words, you had an argument with someone. And, and then you didn't like the way that argument went, but later on at night, you were in your bed, and you were like, you should have said this. And then if they would have said this, then I would have said this. And then if they would have said this, then I would have said this. You know what I'm talking about, right? I can't be the only crazy person in the tent that does that. It's like you're, you're just like replaying that thing, and we do that, right? And, and the problem is so many of you just live there and don't stop to think, whoa, hold up. I need to I just knock all this off. I'm over here having an imaginary argument with someone in my head. <laughs> that can't be good for me. But, but what happens is we, uh, we, instead of doing that, instead of asking, why am I thinking this way, we just let our mind wander. And listen to me, Lighthouse, when your mind begins to wander, it'll wander in some pretty weird places. Not some of you weird, you know what I mean? You, you, when your mind wanders, like you're thinking about squirrels eating a hot dog or something. I get all of that, ADD, whatever. But some of us, it's like... <laughs> When your mind wanders, it takes you into a dark place. 
So you gotta ask yourself this. This is what you need to do. When your mind starts to wander, think, write this down. You need to identify the negative thought inputs. You need to identify the negative thought inputs. Meaning, what are the things that are causing me to think negatively? What are the things that are causing me to spiral in my negative thinking? So some of the things that are thought inputs, it could be your social media consumption. M maybe you just it's just too much. It's just too much. Maybe you are comparing what you don't have with what someone else has. Y'all know that comparison is the thief of joy. Like comparison will kill you. When you are constantly thinking about what you don't have, it will put you in a mood. Some of the inputs is the music that you listen to. Some of the input is the shows that you watch. And so your inputs, listen to me Lighthouse, are either moving you into a healthy direction or they're moving you into a negative direction. Now, I'm going to get super practical. You're not going to like what I'm about to say right now, but I got you. You're not going anywhere, okay? <laughs> and listen, I'm your friend. I love you. What I'm about to say is for your good. But sometimes the way you are thinking is a direct reflection of your lifestyle. It's just a direction of your, it's just, it's just a direct reflection of your lifestyle. There are five things that can immediately take you out of a funk. Y'all ready for it? Number one, you need to eat better. You need to drink more water. You need to get some sleep, like good sleep, okay? Get better sleep. You need to, hello, exercise. Oh, I know. Spirit of conviction falling heavy in the tent today. And here's the last one. You need some sun. Now, I know the weather's not cooperating today, but you need some sun. Did, did you know that those five things can get you out of a funk? Sometimes the way you are feeling is not a spiritual problem. You feel terrible because you just pounded down a double cheeseburger with animal-style fries and a Diet Coke because you're on a diet. <laughs> I don't feel good. Well, you're not eating good. You're not a teenager anymore. You can't eat like that. I look at my son, Jaden, who's 13. He can eat anything. As a matter of fact, sometimes I'm envious of his eating because he's loading it up and he's got a 26-inch waist. And I, I look at a cheeseburger and I gain a pound. I don't even have to eat it. I can look and I'm like, oh, I'm full. You know, what's wrong with me? It's like, welcome to your 40s, you know? So, but, I, but, I, but I think what happens is, and I'm getting super practical here, but I hope you hear me. You don't need a spiritual solution to a natural problem. Some of you are just like in your room all day playing video games with your LED lights on and you wonder why mentally you're anxious. You need sun. You just got to get outside. You just go for a run. You do realize that running will naturally elevate your dopamine levels. And people will take medicine for something they can solve by going for a run. Like why would you pay all that money for medicine when you can just go for a run? There was a young man in my youth group. And he came in and he told me that he was dealing with all of this anxiety. And, and, and as I began to do an audit of his days and an audit of what his life looked like, I'm like, dude, you're just stagnant. So I did him a solid. I said, come on, it's almost Christmas. I'm buying you a Christmas present. I took him to the running shoe store and I got him a pair of running shoes. I said, Merry Christmas. And I said, start running. And he immediately started running and he noticed a difference in how he was feeling. It was just exercise. It wasn't a spiritual problem. It was a natural problem. So you solve natural problems with natural solutions. Is that okay, Lighthouse Church? Are y'all getting this so far? I'm going to give you some spiritual stuff right now. But some of y'all just need to eat better. Some of y'all just need some sun. 
And some of y'all need to exercise. When's the last time you exercise? You know what I'm saying? Like, do what you got to do. And, 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 uh, and, and again, I'm not, I say this to lift you up. I say this to encourage you. I'm not calling you out. I am calling you up. But so much of what's going on here can be fixed with just getting some more sun yeah. and getting better sleep. Stop binge watching shows till one in the morning. You gotta go to work tomorrow. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, like, just get some sleep. Imagine how you're gonna feel. Now, the next thing we need to do is we need to be intentional about positive thought inputs. We need to be very intentional about positive thought inputs. So how do we do that? Well, if so, too much social media is a bad thing, you need to set boundaries on social media. Set boundaries on social media. You know what else you can do? Instead of complaining about other people winning in life, start celebrating other people when they win in life. Same you're like, oh, well, I didn't have a car too. My wife didn't shop so much. No, 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 no. <laughs> Celebrate when someone is winning in life. I mean, watch what it does to you. Watch how it changes your demeanor. Stop listening to music that isn't good for you and listen to music that glorifies God. Start watching shows that glorify God. You know how like they're rebooting everything these days? No one's got any originality when it comes to entertainment. It's like my wife and I were watching this reboot of a show and two shows in we're like, this is garbage. Like th this isn't cool. Like this was not, you know, we grew up watching this and this reboot of it is terrible. We shut that, we shut that down quick. And it's like, you know, I'm like, I wanted to relive my childhood. I guess I couldn't, you know what I mean? Every, everything that's rebooted has to go sideways. But, but you have to be careful. And listen, you might be thinking, man, pastors talk about music and movies. I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you need to do the things that are going to help your mental and physical health. That's not legalism. That's called taking care of the body that God gave you. I mean, I know that your bodies are the temple of God. Right? I know that's the one verse we don't like in the Bible. We like we just skip right. No, we don't like that. We want Holy Ghost and fire and revival and <laughs> running the aisles. But the Bible says that your body is the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. How are you treating your body? How are you treating your temple? So you got to be intentional about the positive inputs in your life. Okay. Now let me get spiritual because there's some practical, but there's also spiritual. You just the same way you can't solve a natural problem with a spiritual solution, you cannot solve a spiritual problem with a natural solution. So let's go to Romans 12.2 because Paul talks about this in Romans 12.2. He says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What he's talking about is the way of culture and, and, and the way that the world moves. And how many know that the culture moves, the world moves, there's fads and there's trends. Paul says it's a pattern of the world. Well, let me just tell you about the pattern of the world. I got some statistics and I want to show them to you. Anxiety affects 42.5 million adults. Anxiety affects 42.5 million adults. I think I shared with you guys, um, I dealt with some anxiety attacks when my wife and I were in the middle of three major life transitions all at the same time. Like, like there's like four major life transitions that can really hit you hard. And we had three of them going on at the same time. And so I dealt with some bad anxiety for a period of about six weeks. And it was hard. So when I talk about this, I understand some of this. Okay. But anxiety affects 42 and a half million adults. 21 million adults live with depression. This is what was happening with Elijah. He was depressed in the cave. That's the reason I'm talking about him is because I said a minute ago, there were men and women in the Bible that dealt with depression. And they, they dealt with anxiety. And I want to talk about it because if you're dealing with it, it doesn't make, doesn't make you anything less than just human. 
This is the stuff that we deal with, all right? And so it goes on to say 3.7 million between 12 to 17 experience major depression. Two and a half million between 12 to 17 experience severe depression. And I get sad when I see that statistic because I remember what life was like for me between 12 and 17. Those were the good old years, Pastor Joe, right? I mean, we got our license at 16. It was on. How many of y'all remember that? How are you old enough where 12 to 17 was a good period of life for you? I mean, it was high school. It was sports. It was junior high. But our kids are dealing with a different set of issues than we've had to deal with. This is why I struggle with this. I read this, and I'm like, 16, let's go. I got my license. I was driving everywhere, picking up Pastor Phil, living our best life. What do you mean they're dealing with depression? I was the, the last thing I was was depressed. Are you kidding me? The fun we had, the trouble we got into, praise the Lord. And it's like, why? But, but, but our kids are dealing with something entirely different than us. And, and it takes a lot of wisdom to parent in this season. Right. It takes a lot of wisdom to discern what our children need. Because for me, I'm like, dude, this was, this was the highlight. <laughs> Some of y'all, this was your highlight reel, too. It's, it's like, you've never been that active. Anyway, moving on. But it's like, those were good years. And, and, and yet now, in today's generation, we're seeing that it's affecting so many of that generation with depression. Here's the last one. This one just gutted me. The second leading cause of death of children, 10 to 14, is suicide. Suicide is the second leading these are current statistics that I've shown you. This is the pattern of the world, okay? Second, and this is to the U.S., okay? I'm not, I'm not, we're not talking Nigerian statistics, all right? Because that's not the world we're living in. Or I'm talking about U.S., which is going to be different than some of the other countries in this world. But this is the world we live in. These are U.S. statistics. This is current data. The second leading cause of death from 10 to 14 is suicide. How many of you got a kid in that age group? Rose, throw your hand up. I do. I've got a kid right now in 13. I've got two more coming up after him. Second leading cause of death, suicide. This is the pattern of the world. And what does Paul say about how we don't follow the pattern of this world? Let's finish the verse. He says, but be transformed. How? By the renewing. Everybody say renewing. renewing. The renewing of your mind. He, he didn't say be transformed by putting on your best Sunday suit, your best face, your best face and showing up to church on Sunday. He said the way to overcome the pattern of the world, I just showed you the pattern of the world. The way you overcome that is to what? Renew your mind. That's why we're talking about mental health. Today, the rest of this month, all of next month. This is why we're talking about because you've got to renew your mind. You can overcome the pattern of this world by getting your mind renewed. And this is what Paul talked about. This is why there is a spiritual solution to the spiritual problems. Because God wants you to step into this fight. But there's a way that we fight. Do we do the things in the natural? Absolutely, yes and amen. We do those things, but there's also some things that we've got to do on the spiritual as well because here's what I know. Number one, your mind matters to God. God cares about your mind more than he cares about what's on the outside. More than he cares about what's on the outside. I mean, in that same church that I talked about, and I love my church, and I'm not trying to put it down, but what I'm trying to say is that, 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 that religion, any type of religious church, is going to have you focusing on the outside when the songs we sang were Jesus on the inside working on the outside. But the key was Jesus on the inside. He wants to deal with the inside. Because, number one, your mind matters to God. Here's the other thing I know. Your mental health matters to God. He wants you to be healthy mentally. He wants you to be healthy emotionally. Your mental health matters to people you love. Men, the best thing you can do is be the best version of yourself for your wife. 
Women, the best thing you can do is to be the best version you can for your husband. And here's my last point. Your mental health matters to people who depend on you. You, If you have got kids, they need you to be at God's best for your life. More than they need stuff. And I know you want to take them to Disneyland. I know you want to give them toys. I know you want to give them a phone. I know you want to give them an iPad and all the other cool stuff. Listen to me, parents, listen to me. None of that is a substitute for you being at God's best for your life. Your children need you to be at your best. So do what you have to do. Get a hold of the hand of God. Get active with your body. Do the things that you have to do. And if you need to go see a therapist, then go and see a therapist. Do what you got to do. But your children deserve your best. Your children deserve your best. And so God cares about all of these things. And uh, as I said a minute ago, there, you can't solve a natural problem with spiritual solutions. And we're talking about spiritual solutions to spiritual problems. Paul also said this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He said this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How do we do that? We take captive every thought. Everybody say every thought. You got to catch the thoughts that you're thinking, and then he goes on to say, and make it obedient to Christ. This requires you to be active. You cannot be passive in your thoughts. If we're going to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ, you've got to be aware of what you're thinking. And so we take thought inventories. We start asking ourselves, why do I feel this way? What is making me enter this funk? Why why am I in this place? Kind of like the, the reason that God asked Elijah, why are you here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? In the same way, you have to be aware of what is affecting your mental health, what is affecting your emotional health. And, and, and you have got to take those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. Because there are some thoughts that are directly an attack of the enemy. There are. This has nothing to do with your diet, food. No, no, no. Now I'm talking about when the enemy's actually attacking you. And there is a spiritual component to this. And the enemy will attack you and he will send darts into your mind. This is why you got to get in a connect group. This is why you got to get in your Bible. This is why you got to make church a priority. This is not some accessory to your life, Lighthouse Church. You've got to make the word of God a necessity in your life. Listen to me. The first thing that you should do in the morning is get in your Bible. You want to know what the last thing you should do in the day is? Get in your Bible. Some of you make the mistake of the first thing you do is you go on social media. The last thing you do is you go on social media. So the picture of the world that you are getting in the morning and in the evening is nothing but the mess out there. And why, when you have the word of God, of all of this, of, of everything you could feed your soul with, why would you feed yourself with anything else? And so, so we have got to get into our word. Because I like this, and all the sports fans, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense, right? Come on, Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Sorry, NFL example. But sometimes your best defense is a great offense. And, and, and I say that because God has given you a weapon, and your weapon is called your Bible. Did you guys know that the Bible is called the sword of the spirit? Everybody say sword. sword. Your, your Bible is not just a defense. It is a good offense. It is a sound offense, and it is a great offense. And, and, and if there's one thing that you have got to do is you have got to get into your word. Because when you get into your word, your word is going to help you to neutralize the lies of the enemy. You see, how this works is when you capture a thought. So let's say you capture this thought that is like, I am not good enough. You capture that thought and you say, but what does the word of God say? The word of God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Meaning God did not make an accident on you. You are here on purpose, for a purpose, and that is God's purpose. 
Maybe you think my past disqualifies me. No, it doesn't because the word of God says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The former things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Anytime you feel like you're not good enough, what does the Bible say? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Whenever you had a bad, bad day, just get on your knees and remember, the Bible says that joy comes in the morning. And so every time you're in a situation, let the word of God come on the offensive and remind you of who you are. Remind you of God's promises. Remind you of his plans for your life. Remind you of his purpose for your life. And what we need is more of that. Everybody say more. more. We need more of that. Paul says, get these thoughts and make them obedient to the word of God. I don't care what the enemy says. What I care is what God says about me, what his word says about me, and that's the thing that's going to carry me through. You've been listening to the wrong noise. You've been listening to the wrong voices. You see, a few years ago, my wife bought me AirPods. How many of you are AirPod people in the room? Oh, we're the AirPod people. I know. So you're like either Beats or AirPods. I'm not going to talk about the Android. You need Jesus. But um, <laughs> it's just. <I'm> kidding. <laughs> and so my wife, she got me these AirPods. And, 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 you know, so I would just, you know, run with my AirPods. I was like, hey, I like these AirPods. It's great. And then, and then she upgraded me a few years later on Father's Day. Every Father's Day, it seems like that's the gift. So it's like, I got some AirPods from my wife and, and the pros. And I didn't think much of it because I, I, there's some things when I, when I latch on to things, I can kind of latch on to things. Like I've had my laptop for 10 years now. You know what I'm saying? And people are like, that thing is old. I mean, like, like that, that sucker is old. It's like, yeah, but I just replaced all of the processor on the inside. This thing is humming, but it's like missing keys. You know what I mean? I'm like, don't worry about that. <laughs> it still works. You know, that's me. I had my car for 12 years, you know what I mean? It's like, it runs, it's good, I'm keeping it, you know? That's me. So when she got me the AirPods, I was just like, well, why? I already, I already have these other ones that you bought me. They're perfectly fine. So my brother was with me, and I asked him, and he's, he's nine years younger than me, so he, he's also tech-savvy. I consider myself somewhat tech-savvy. Uh, he's a little more tech-savvy, just a little, just a little, okay? Not much, <laughs> just a little, okay? If he's listening, I don't want him to get a big head. Anyway, um, but he said, well, he, he said, well, Josh, what's great about these AirPods is they have noise cancellation on them. And he said, your old ones don't have that. And I'm like, noise cancellation? He said, yeah, try this, try it on. So, you know, I go to a coffee shop, I put my, I put my AirPods on, and then I hit the noise cancellation feature, and now I can't hear anything but my music. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> He's not wrong. Like, this is good. But I started thinking about the technology, and I kind of got a picture to show you the visual of this. But it, I was intrigued by this. What is the technology on my AirPods or my headphones that allow me to have noise cancellation? I don't know if you knew this, but your AirPods have microphones on them. Um, or your headphones, they have microphones on them. And what the microphones do is they actually detect the noise around you first. And then when the noise filters in, it inverts the sound waves, therefore canceling the noise in your ears. And, and, and so the noise canceling technology happens due to a microphone. I know that. I, I, I just thought this thing is just blowing air into my ear. That's gotta be it. But <laughs> it's like, no, it's not that. It's, it's picking up the outside noise and neutralizing it so that when it goes in, all you hear is what you wanna hear. Now I'm coming to a close, but let me close with this. I don't know if you guys know this, but God is always speaking. He said this when he was being tempted of Satan. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I don't know if you know what that E-T-H, the proceedeth, does to a word, but it makes that verb continual. In other words, God is always speaking. 
It's not every word that preceded out of the mouth of God, meaning past tense. And it's not proceeds out of the mouth of God, meaning current sense, but proceeded means it's always happening. So God is always speaking. For those of you who are like, what do you mean he's always speaking? You just can't hear him. You guys catch that? God is always speaking. If you can't hear him, maybe you need to cancel the noise. If God is speaking and you can't hear him, it's because the other noise in your life is drowning out the voice of God. And so what I loved about this technology and what application that I want to get to you today is that the noise of life is going to always be there, okay? That, that's why mom and dad, no matter what you try and do, and believe me, I am active, I am vigilant, I got my kids at Christian school, I'm doing everything I can right now to protect my kids. I know I can't stop everything. I can't. It's just impossible for me to stop everything. I know some of you parents are trying, <laughs> uh, but, but you can't, meaning there's always going to be noise in the lives of my kids. But the only thing that I can do to overcome all of the noise is to teach them how to cancel the noise through the word of God is to teach them how to cancel the outside noise. Through what? Your Bible. Your offense. The scriptures. This is why I said maybe you need to change up your music. I like, I like running with some hip-hop too, but sometimes I'm running. I'm like, what in the world? Turn it off. Some of that stuff is not good for you. It's just not good for your soul. It's junk. And, and some of the shows you're watching, as I said a minute ago, it's junk. And you are responsible for what you put into your body. And the more that you put in your body, the good stuff, the word of God, songs of worship, the more that you are taking that stuff in, it's going to help you to drown out the noise, and you're going to be able to hear clearly from God. How many of y'all want to hear clearly from God? So how many of y'all want to hear clearly from God? And if you've ever felt, if you've ever felt, Pastor, I just don't know when the last time I heard from God's word, I'm going to tell you, start your day in your Bible end your day in the Bible. All throughout your day, fill it with worship. Think about God, not just on Sundays and connect group. Think about God often. Fill your day with the word because the word of God is going to cancel the noise of the enemies. It's going to neutralize the enemy's mental attacks. Here's what the word of God can do. It'll help you take anxiety captive. The word of God can cancel depression. The word of God can eradicate toxic thoughts and God's word can cancel the spirit of suicide because that's what God did to Elijah I love this verse Hebrews 4.12 it says for the word of God is alive everybody say alive that's why you got to get in your word it ain't dead it is alive and it is active everybody say active and the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow here it is it judges the thoughts everybody say thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Do you know the word of God judges thoughts? When, when, you, when you think something, the word of God should judge that and say, no, 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 that, we're judging that thought, that ain't it. Something enters into your mind, the word of God is going to judge and say, that ain't it. You're going to have an attitude that gets on the inside of you. The word of God's going to judge that attitude and say, that ain't it, child of God. That ain't it, son of God. That ain't it, daughter of God. Are you guys getting this lighthouse, church? The word of God is active and it's alive in your life if you make it alive and active. If it's on your shelf at home, collecting dust, you're missing out everything that God has for you. If the word of God is just something you hear, like the only time I hear the word of God is when Pastor Josh reads all them verses on Sunday. 
It's not enough, Lighthouse. I love you, but that's just not enough. You've got to get in your word. And your word needs to be alive in your life. And the word of God needs to be active in your life. And if you're like, Pastor Josh, but I don't know. It's all confusing to me. This is why you got to get in a connect group. You don't have to do this all by yourself. You are not alone. Again, that's a lie of the enemy. That you're alone. You're not alone. You're in community. You have people that love you. You have people that want to be around you. You have people that want to come alongside you and help you to become everything that God has called you to become. But if you're tired of pretending like you've got it all together, and if you're tired of wearing a mask on Sundays, I want to pray for you. Let me pray over your life right now, right where you're at. If you'd be so inclined as to, so inclined as let me bless you and pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for this church. We're just getting started. There's so much that you want to say to us and so much more that you want to do. But it all comes back to you. It comes back to your word, Father. And there are so many people that are here right now that are dealing with anxiety, depression. They've got just thoughts that they're afraid to even confess to anyone the things that they think about when they're alone. Would you just come into this tent right now and just begin to deal with those things, Father? Would you just begin to move in someone's heart to surrender those things to you? God, that we would get active in our thoughts, that we would be active in the arenas of our mind, that we would be active in the care of our souls, that every single one of us would start discerning where we are. For those, God, that are dealing with just natural problems, would you give them wisdom, Lord God, of how they can get better, wisdom, Lord God, of how they can be active, and wisdom, Father, of how they can move those things. For those that are dealing with spiritual problems, Lord God, would your word come in strong? Would your spirit come in strong, Father? Would you come and move in this tent right now? God, I pray for the minds of everyone here. There is so much, there, there's so much anxiety that we are living with. We, we're overly medicated and overly anxious, and it's making us depressed and lethargic. And God, I believe you want to break that spirit. You want to break the spirit of heaviness right now. Would you do that now in Jesus' name? Amen. We're going to end with worship. And when we go into worship, I encourage you to come to this altar so we can pray for you. Because some of you just need prayer. The Bible talks about when we are sick. And that's not just physical. Remember, sometimes sickness is emotional. Sometimes sickness is mental. It says, if anyone is sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church that by the laying on of hands, they will be healed. So if you feel like you need prayer in a minute, I'm going to call you up and I'd love for you to just come up here and allow our pastors to pray for you according to God's word, that there would be healing today. Before we do that, there are some of you that just need to surrender your life to Christ. You've not yet given your life to Christ. And, and, and the anxiety is heavy. The depression is heavy. The toll on your spirit is heavy. I just really felt that word pop, the spirit of heaviness. Some of you have a spirit of heaviness on your life right now. And God wants to break that. And, 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 and the only way to begin is to surrender your life to Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, and I mean, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to encourage you, admonish you, surrender your life to Christ. And when you're done with that, I want you to go to the start here canopy canopy behind you just say hey I surrendered my life to Christ today because I wrote a book for you I wrote a book with you in mind where when you surrender your life to Christ but you don't know what to do next this book is a playbook it's going to take you through your next step and your next step and your next step and that's going to be my gift to you so in a minute I'm going to pray for you 
And if you want to break that spirit of heaviness, surrender your life to Christ. And if you've never done that, if this is the first time you're doing this today, please go get that book. It is your next step. It is going to help you. But let me pray over every eye closed, every head bowed. And if you want to surrender your life to Christ, just simply repeat these words. Church, if you've already done this before, would you just say it for the benefit of everyone that's about to pray this prayer right now? Let's all say this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I need you to break the spirit of heaviness. I want you to heal my mind, and I want you to touch my heart. So right now in this moment, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I make you my personal savior. Forgive me of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I make you the Lord of my life and the king of my heart. Order my steps and show me what to do next. But I make you my Lord and I make you my savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.